You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards, from Denver... Not Denver anymore. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Totally forgot, did you? <laughs> and I'm a Duncan from Gelsenkirchen, Germany. The ritual of the show is still embedded on my bones. We thrive on the support of our listeners. Please uh, find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. All right. For episode 68, I'm back on the show. Uh, appreciate Lions uh, taking the helm while I was out of town and uh, doing some personal stuff. Uh, and I don't really have necessarily much follow-up, except that I blame Lyons completely for all of his audio woes, and it's his personal... <laughs> no, no, no. Um, you know, my best theory is that the machine he's using has some enterprise software, and maybe that's just the thing we haven't been able to test, is what if you had a clean install? And while that's hand-wavy, it still works surprisingly often when other problems arise. Yes, yes. I've been thinking about that as well. Like I described the little audio problems that I had with my very new modern interface. Like this thing is like no, latest generation. And still I had had a few problems. And uh, I don't know. Sometimes I also feel like, man, I just want to do clean re reinstall and then think about what I have to go through to do that again, especially on Windows. And especially since I still don't want to use Windows 10. But in Lion's defense, so A, I tested a little bit out while I was editing last uh, week's, oh, two weeks ago, last episode. Um, I told him, like, I would experiment with trying to recreate the glitch in the way that I thought it was happening. And it got pretty close. I, I didn't get there with my hex editing and uh, really, like, moving bits around in the binary file. But I got pretty close with just a little bit of bit crushing and stuff, so... Um, still don't feel like that exactly was the same thing. The other thing that happened, though, the other day, so I've been using Discord um, pretty much a, a lot since last week. Um, so Discord is like this this text-voice hybrid thing. It's basically Slack mixed with TeamSpeak. And so I was on a public server and people were talking and I was using the same setup as I was using right now through my interface with this uh, VST plugin, routing things around. And all of a sudden... Like, everything started to sound a little bit like his audio glitches. And then I got thinking, like, is, is, did he transmit that to me? Is this, like, uh, a disease that now I have caught <laughs> from him, <laughs> Skyping with him? So we're now only going to Skype with Lions through a VPN or something. Lions disease, um, or, let's call it. <laughs> like, through an, extra, through an extra device that's not connected to anything else. Um I mean, so far it hasn't happened again. Maybe it's, I was just like my my cycles throwing up. On this we all view. need to use field recorders and only analog connections to the computer. <laughs> I think it's time we actually put our reel-to-reel -reel machines we got in the background to oh, yeah. actual use. All the all this uh, Patreon funding is bought. Uh, yes. So many reel-to-reel -reel machines we're not using. <laughs> But we'll need to get rid of the internet in between, so I suggest just like yogurt cups on a string. <laughs> it's really, really long string. Yes. <laughs> All right. Latency will be fine. We'll be fine. We're used to latency. Uh, eventually, that's how we're going to do podcasts is just answer and respond, like question and answer separate, complete, <laughs> like nonlinear recordings. It's, it's just going to be a text to speech newsletter. <laughs> uh, well, if we, we get, yeah, this Adobe thing we're going to talk about, maybe that'll be <laughs> plausible. <laughs> 
Uh, so let's get into the show. We uh, we have this first right off the bat is, uh, well, America elected Trump. And I don't want to like I have many thoughts and feelings about that. And my nation has lots of thoughts and feelings about that. But this is not the venue I, I want to voice that at. But there are silver linings to this apocalypse. <laughs> and that is that Martin uh, Shkreli, uh I don't know, Shkreli, Shkreli. His name is I have no idea. It's anyway, not German. This was the guy who was uh, gotten into tons of trouble because he was uh, jacking up the prices of pharmaceuticals for pure profit and victimizing people as a result. And uh, he got you know screwed over for being a, a, a douchebag. Um, but one of the things is for somehow he came into possession of an unreleased Wu Tang Clan album, and he promised to release it if Trump was elected. And wo- lo and behold, Trump was elected, and he followed through on that. And so <laughs> we get a new Wu Tang Clan album. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we talked about this whole story previously on the show. I think our episode title was something about Bill Murray. Only Bill Murray can download this album or steal this album oh, because yeah. they had this weird contract going. So Wu Tang Clan produced this album, and they only produced a single unit, a single physical unit of this <laughs> album, and sold it to the highest bidder. And lo and behold, Martin Shkreli was the highest bidder because <laughs> that guy has a boatloads of money, and uh, so. Yeah, he he promised he would only release it then because as the buyer of this album, he could decide what would happen with it. Like he couldn't release it and and like gain any money from that, like sell it. But he could have released it earlier. He could have like leaked it, although it wouldn't really be leaking. It was just releasing or he could just keep it to himself. And he did like that's the kind of troll he is. And like venues like 4chan like to kind of celebrate him for being that ultimate troll with tons of money. And yeah, he made that promise about the Trump presidency and he will release the album. And yeah, and he kind of um, sometimes casually streams on like Twitch or something. And he said, well, I think it's time to play the album now. And so people had a listening party on Twitch um, <laughs> listening to those albums. And they said it was good. Like, I'm I'm not really into Wu-Tang Clan, so I, <laughs> I don't I'm not going to pass judgment in any way. But people were uh, excited to actually be able to hear it. <laughs> uh, honestly, though, we all knew this thing would come out. It's just like the, the way... Eventually, yeah. To know this exists is to know that it will get out eventually. Um, and that's just the reality of nothing. Any like, There's authors that wrote only on paper and their, their fragments get discovered eventually wherever they hid them in some shoebox in the middle of the field. But... Uh, this was actually given to someone in digital form. So before, you know, sooner or later, someone's going to rip it or he's going to share it and um, whether through his own actions, which it looks like here, or someone else, a friend of his who gets to experience it, he goes to the bathroom and they quickly whip out their laptop and rip the CD. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's a nice little thing. Uh, now we can get into the show. What's this, uh, the voice clip you've inflicted on me and, and why does Bits and Pieces care about this? <laughs> I'm very conflicted if I want to describe the whole video. Um <laughs> What what do you, what would you say? You've I've I haven't told you anything about it. I just said watch it and don't skip it and maybe we're just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I I will say that whatever happens in this video, I let it it went on a surprising amount of time before I caught on to what was going on. Yes. Uh because it's edited maybe, really well with reaction shots and <laughs> 
And that's all I want to say. So the topic is um, R. Kelly had a surprise um, performance on The Voice, um, which they actually also have in Germany. So I knew what that show was about. So um, I probably don't have to explain it. And so obviously they don't know who the singer is because they're pro usually like contestants. That's nobody a blind knows audition. That. Yes. And R. Kelly shows up and sings. Uh, is it called If I Can Fly or what was the name actually different of the song? I don't remember. Not sure. My ignorance um, is showing. But but his most famous song, I would say. And he performed that. And so this <laughs> video, <laughs> yeah, I also like let it on a little bit and like, like okay, this, this is crazy. Can he actually do that? And then I moused over <laughs> to the timeline on YouTube and I noticed how long the video is. And I thought, <laughs> you got me. And I only skipped a few times to see like how much effort did they put into editing. And they put a lot of effort in like, even though you feel like this is just going to be the same joke playing over the <laughs> this whole span of 10 minutes, believe me when I say they they tell a story. They <laughs> use all the editing tricks that they are. And they were, they were sometimes so obvious that I felt like, yeah, this is the typical editing that actually happens in the show where you like get reaction shots from the audience yeah. that are obviously from a completely different uh, like recording session. But you, especially with that, you can't tell from the beginning that yeah this will happen and this is happening so maybe we should leave it at that um it's gonna you can you can find the link in our show notes on sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 68 it's there the voice uh r kelly performance with a twist <laughs> in less jokey uh newsy tidbits uh, there's this uh, documentary which was advertised earlier this year but is coming out this month on pbs called sound breaking and this looks like absolute crack for me and you and probably anyone that would like this podcast as it, it takes a very uh cultural and uh i don't want to say scientific Tec but, but like technical but yeah that's a better word uh technical take but also the cultural take on how recording technology and strategy and 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 techniques evolved in the 20th century and to today. And so, you know, from all the classic rock when mixing boards and multi-tracking became mainstream and viable and, and all that. And um, just to be able to like the, this footage and these interviews to go into those old studios and like hear them talk about how at that time uh, it really was like this experimental, like totally new frontier for them of what you can do with audio. And we, obviously there's still tons of frontier going on with electronic music and, you know, the consumerization of all the, the ability to record and multi-track and create sound, whether you're using a mic or doing stuff in the box. And so I, it's one of those things that just looks like an amazing source of perspective on, you know, why, why do we have a flanger or why do we have, you know, <laughs> whatever, any strange effect or, you know, why, why are things mixed this way? And, you know, some of it's, you know, just cultural. We're used to hearing music a certain way, but some of it probably has just really good reasoning based on the technology. And so True. I'm going to have to track down this uh, documentary and find a way to watch it. I don't know. Will you be able to game it in Germany? <laughs> I have no idea. So it will run on PBS. And uh, so we're recording, obviously, earlier than this show will appear. Um so when when this episode is out, it the first episode will have aired two days ago, I believe, on PBS. Um, I will try to get hold of it some way because I actually really want to see what this is all about. <laughs> I mean, I know what now what this is all about, but I would actually want to see it like um, 
people from that era talking about how a certain record came to life, even if, if it's not like a record that I actually really listen to all that much or a band that I listen to all that much, just I know it's part of history. I can appreciate it even if I don't enjoy it, I would mm -hmm. say. Um, and especially like the technological aspects, that's what I'm really into. And uh, like I work completely in the box every day, so I have a, still a lot of interest for the analog side since I'm really not used to that at all. And I find it fascinating and um, yeah. how things from that probably ported over into the digital realm. Because we're all, all we're doing in the digital realm is trying to emulate things we did before, plus a little extra, which is always nice. Yeah, uh, One of the quotes from the trailer that really struck me is, um, even in that era, they were talking about how they were creating kinds of music that weren't possible before. Um, through the multi-tracking and the effects and the the way yes. you mic and, and work a studio as an instrument all its own. And so no matter how abstract music gets as it leaves its analog roots behind, I think uh, we'd be remiss to pretend that the early days of recording technology weren't as flush with the same experimentation that we enjoy in different ways now. And how crazy must that moment have been when like the first serious um i would say like record recording was happening with an audio engineer and they were like okay so before we had to record this all in one performance but did you know we now have this uh ability to like we can record this separately hey guitarist if you make a mistake we can like uh correct that afterwards <laughs> like how crazy must that moment have been when all of the sudden you didn't feel all that much pressure anymore and then you could start and I mean, that's just recording, uh, correcting mistakes. But as you said, like experimenting with stuff that you couldn't hear before, like th that wasn't possible in a live setting because the equipment wasn't made for live yeah. things and the whole processing and yeah, miking rooms, like yeah. th that's a whole, uh, a very important part about music, especially like the room it's happening in, not, even, not necessarily a physical room, but just like music always happens. It doesn't, it's not really completely dry. I mean, some genres might be, um, but just experimenting with all that and not having to settle for the first thing or not necessarily the first thing you do, but like having to settle on one thing that must've been crazy. I mean, nowadays we live in this era and I basically grew up making music with all the possibilities already there yeah. with software and uh, just putting your mind back to, Hey, we just broke out of the single reel to reel tape that could only carry a stereo signal Now we got multiple of these and let's see what crazy stuff we can do with that. And I really want to like venture through this whole timeline of people finding new ways to produce music. So I'd, I'd also want to shout out to the movie that came out a couple of years ago called uh, Love and Mercy. It's about Brian Wilson and uh, him, you know, moving the Beach Boys from there like poppy surf tunes to like pet sounds and eventually to smile where he he really expands the uh, voice of what he's doing with the studio and the movie's a drama about the life of brian wilson but they have lots of scenes in the studio and they seem they struck me as really authentic scenes where he's working with studio musicians and he's sort of expanding the palette of what can be done with pop music in America, which I think is one of Brian Wilson's biggest legacies is uh, him and, and, you know, responding to the Beatles and, and other innovations, really pushing the boundaries on what counts as popular music. And so even though that's a, an adaptation and 
and as such is in a air quotes way fictionalized it's still a really lovely look at old studios and and how they worked and and what he did in them so yeah really looking forward to that documentary hopefully in some way i can actually watch it there'll probably be a way <clears throat> there's always a way yeah we got wu-tang clan man i mean oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Um, but speaking about mixing and producing records, um, I believe they do this every year. Isotope, uh, they, they make plugins for like mixing, mastering, uh, effects, just processing generally. They are like at the top of the line. They produce really great, like all in one suits, uh, suites of, uh, audio plugins. Um, I also make use of some of those, like they're just, they're just all around great i love them like you get one product and you know this thing will do all of these things and it will do it great and so i believe annually they release this uh mixing guide like uh oh yeah it's mixing with isotope and even though it's like made by isotope even if you don't use their products you will learn something from this uh, it's pretty much uh agnostic to any plugins because uh the most important functions they all have that anyway so you will want to learn what mixing is all about and then whatever plug in your hand it you will be able to work with that and they go all out on like what what even is mixing what is it what, what are birds um what is mixing and like what are the most important elements so like uh j just to give a brief overview um the, the the four elements of mixing which are we talked about that before level eq panning and time-based effects where time-based effects again i talked about music happening in a room that's usually time-based effects what you use them for to like place something in a room that has echoes and reverberation and stuff and level obviously what's loud what's quiet eq is like things stacking up on top of each other like uh frequency wise note wise and panning. I mean, we we record in stereo, uh, left to right, left and right speakers. Uh, it's good to have that. You don't have that any, everywhere, but usually you can uh, expect to work with a stereo signal. And then they really go in depth into all of these, like what, why even, why even use an EQ? What is it for? And what are the principles? And this is how you best use it. And like, this isn't the be all end all recipe for how to mix music, uh, like to, how to mix a certain element, but here are some guidelines. This is what you want to look out for. This is why we do this thing. This is why we actually apply it, which is also a very important thing to know. When do I not need it? Right. Like, uh, lots of these are basically on every channel strip on, of, a, of a mixing console, but you don't always use that. If you got great miking technique and a great performance and especially great composition, you probably don't need an EQ because like, your instruments already fit well like a jigsaw puzzle to each other. Yeah, your any changes you would yeah. make would be pretty minor in that situation. Exactly. And so sometimes you can say like, hey, I actually don't need that. And I know why, because this thing, this knob will solve that problem, but I don't actually have that problem. Just because I have that hammer doesn't mean I have to hit every nail that's already in the wall. And so this is actually a great resource. Um, as I said, I've read like the previous one or from like two years ago, I believe. And uh, yeah, even if you don't use their products, this is a great resource that I can really recommend to anyone doing anything with audio at all. Even if you're like not mixing full songs and recordings, like just knowing what's what goes into that, you can probably apply that to other fields of audio, like processing, recording, or just if you want to know why the person you're Skyping with sounds like shit, 
because like <laughs> something in their signal chain is fucked up. I just love that every single section they start off with, with you know, whatever, if a topic X, they go, what is X for? And yes. like you already pointed this out, but just like as a learner, I really crave that context. I, I don't just want recipes. Um, you know, all, all our software comes with presets. Those are recipes and I don't understand what they're for, even if they're like loud <laughs> drum kit or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, we've all been that beginner that just, you know, keeps cycling through presets until something vaguely nice comes out, but you don't know why. And you're like, oh, this preset sounds great. Or at least better than the default nothing's dry signal I had before. But you don't know what it might be ruining in addition to making certain things sound better. Um, no, this is great, a uh, great resource. And I've actually, even as you were talking, sent it to a colleague who doesn't have very much audio experience. And I was already like, Hey, even though this <laughs> says it's isotope, there's lots of amazing advice in here. Check it out. Definitely. Yeah. And since I'm actually right now in the mixing phase of my uh, next EP, um, I'm going to read this thing probably with uh, over the next few days and then go back and remix all of my songs again. Um, <laughs> but maybe not because uh, one an another thing that I've learned, like as much as you can get technical and say things like, hey, you sh you can use the EQ like this, but you shouldn't use it like that. Uh, one other rule that I've learned is if it sounds good, it sounds good. Like right. sometimes you do very drastic things like drastic compression, like crazy EQ boosts. But if it sounds good and you're really sure, like testing it on different uh, speaker <laughs> settings. So like if it sounds good, it sounds good. So um, I'm going to read through it. And maybe I uh, I, I know that I, my mix is still aren't perfect. I know that there are things that I can probably improve. But at some, I've learned that at a certain point you have to say, OK, it's time to stop. This is now the product I could spend two more months on this but now never gonna release it but maybe through reading this i will find a few things a few nuggets of wisdom that i can go back and say hey i had this problem at this one certain part i was gonna glance over that but now i know how to fix it and yeah. so then i hopefully can go back and especially i'm gonna look forward to uh, the section on mixing vocals because that is still a mystery to me um, well, it's because every voice is so different and the yes, type of music yes. you're trying to mix it into may be different. It's just like uh, you yeah. got to learn how to recognize the shape of the things you're trying to fit together. And then also there are different religions. Like I prefer my vocals to sit in the mix while others prefer to sit on top of the mix. Like the most important thing is the vocals. Everything else is second class. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want it like <laughs> on the same level. Like maybe look peeking out a little bit because I know people latch onto that. I I, <laughs> I used to be very extreme and like nah fuck vocals. You, 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 <laughs> doesn't matter if you can't tell what the what the lyrics are singing. Like it's in there. Now I I want it a little high because I've also like gotten a bit more confident with my vocals. Like maybe it was just like me wanting to hide my performance. Um, but still I I it's it's very difficult to. Uh, like have the vocals sit in there to be in the same again in the same room i lose i use a lot of reverb and echo so am i gonna put the same thing on the vocals to make it fit together but then everything's washed out so i'm really looking forward to that hopefully i can apply it and uh, hopefully it will turn out great so thanks yeah. isotope i like you guys so next up, uh, Adobe Max happened, their annual little showcase of new Creative Cloud stuff. 
uh, which I never realized existed until I went for work. And then this year, <laughs> uh, Justin actually went. Um, and one of the things, so they always announce a whole bunch of stuff and like, it seems to be where they concentrate their updates to all the creative cloud products. But, uh, they usually have these little tools that sprout up on the side that either someday will be integrated more officially, or, you know, sometimes they kind of show up kind of like beta style. But one of the things they showed on stage with Jordan Peele, uh, sort of co-hosting and reacting to it is uh, Adobe Voco. And uh, this is a tool that will let you take samples of someone speaking and do more rapid editing of what they said if you want to take words out or change the order of words or even generate new sentences from their words. And notably, uh, it even makes it possible to add things they didn't say. Yes. Um, and so they demonstrated us on stage with, uh, I think it was, uh, was it Keegan speaking in the, the clip? Uh, or was yes, it Jordan I speaking? I don't remember. Well, anyway, they, they have a clip of uh, either Key or Peel speaking, <laughs> and uh, they they edit it to humorous effect, and they and they add, you know, he's kissing his dog and then his wife and whatever. They change the order of the words and, and make it silly. And what did you make of this? I mean, their demo was funny, but also you could still really tell that it was yeah, yeah. computer edited and generated. So the first big thing that they uh, announced with this is that they opened a WAV file and I said, like, okay, everyone, probably everyone sitting here who's work, ever worked with audio before, you know what this looks like. This is like this is what a WAV file looks like, the waveform. This is the shape of audio or a representation of audio. Um, lots of people can't work with that or, like, they, they have to learn it. But it's, it's um, like, just looking at the WAV file that's happening on my other screen right now of me speaking, just reading that, that doesn't mean I know what's happening in there. It's just, it just says, like, volume is happening. And so the first big thing is like, hey, this is, you can edit this with uh, with the text now. So this is the speech. This is the text. If you want to edit the audio file, you have to edit the text. So that already was like uh, um, a big, interesting thing. Um, now, you can like do uh, voice detection with, uh, I mean, YouTube does those auto, auto subtitles, which don't really work all that well. But like you can tell apart words and especially if you know the text. So I was like, yeah, I can see how that would work. Like it, it separates the audio into chunks. You can move it around by moving the text around. That's that's cool, but it's not like mind blowing. But then they yeah. did what was rumored to be, which is like, um, so first, yeah, he replaced a word with a different word from the same clip, which is like, yeah, it's cut and paste. All right, I get that. And especially there, I thought that the demo was a little bit glitchy. Like, you could really tell the cut that was happening was very apparent. Like, if you did that directly in the waveform, you could have done it a lot better without anybody being able to tell. Um, so I, I was kind of... Uh, I was kind of confused that they picked this as a demo where it was pretty clear, like they had to practice that before and it really didn't sound all that great. Like that first few examples <laughs> no. of the cut. Really, I was like, nah, come on. You can, you could have picked a better example. And I like, I know what this can do, but this is just a bad example. But uh, yeah, then they started like adding things that weren't in the clip. And that's where I thought, okay, now how are they doing this? You you can't just pick like a 10 second clip and software knows what that person sounds like. And right. like a, f a few minutes later, he said like, yeah, you need to train this with at least 20 minutes of audio. And that's the point where I said, all right, so now it makes sense. Now it's still 
a little bit sci-fi movie like oh i'm training the software on the vocal profile from like this jason yeah. bond-esque uh, telephone call like 20 minutes i get that 20 minutes will probably be sufficient especially if like uh, sentences that like span all kinds of inflections and weird vo uh, like uh, consonant yeah. vocal combinations you can probably build a database from that um But, but you can see the future coming from this, yes. even though it's clunky now. Like it's I can clunky, imagine, but it's probably going to work really well soon. Well, I can imagine the the voice tool, of the future, where yeah, you just type the sentences you want it to say, and you have like knobs for how sarcastic it sounds, <laughs> or how like if it's like a question, if it's an angry question, if it's a very sheepish question. Like we're gonna have like. I don't know. I've been watching Westworld on HBO, so I'm already thinking about like they they show some fake futuristic tools for how these synthetic humans choose sentences and speak them. And it's really even though it's like you know your, your usual futuristic UI where it's like a sheet of glass that has like ridiculous uh, Star Trek symbols on it, but yeah. uh, it's still really cool to see like they show like what is the virtual mind of the robot? How is it choosing words to say from a, its selection and um, obviously none of that was shown here but it's sort of like you see the the little breadcrumbs of where we're going and again in the context of politics which i'm not here to discuss i'm like oh great so as soon as this technology gets good opponents are just going to forge statements about their you know they're going to make mostly fortune yeah, though mostly fortune they're going to be creating fake audio recordings of whoever it is running for office and them saying the most awful thing of all time. They could do it with us. They got plenty of recording to, to let the software learn from that. Oh, yeah. I just saw yeah, you in the headlight moments. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm never going to run for office. Uh, <laughs> but any public figure is going to have hours and hours of stuff they've said in public forums. So that's going to be unavoidable that someone can model their voice. And so I guess the only Again, this is sort of more flipping tables territory, but uh, I guess society will just adapt and stop believing pure audio clips. That worked pretty well for photos, didn't it? Oh, great. Yeah. And videos. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, um, so I'm looking. So one thing I would also would have liked to know if this is already in the package or if that's basically the next step, which is. You can probably like train this thing to sound like a certain voice, but there's more to a voice than its timbre. It's also inflection, the way you speak, the pacing of the words. Like I know that my, even if I could imitate your voice, I wouldn't speak like you. And so my question would be like, can this already, like if I type a word, will it pronounce that word the same, I, the same way I would do it? Or would it just sound like me, like somebody imitating my voice? And that's, Probably even if it's not in there, that should be the next big thing. Because what you could do then is, I mean, first of all, this would be the next era of text-to-speech in general. I'm already kind of amazed by how, uh, yeah, I think advanced text-to-speech already has become. Like me talking to my phone and like listening to uh, like Siri speak. It, it already sounds, I think, fine. Like you can tell it's a computer, but it doesn't have to. I don't have to believe there's a little human being in my phone. That's totally, that's not the point. So it's already very intelligible, usually, I would say. Um, but with this, you could like, I could make my, uh, my, my 
Google Assistant, uh, I don't know, sound like Morgan Freeman. And it would sound like Morgan Freeman. And all you would have to do is like take a random audio book that he recorded one day and feed that through the software. Yeah. And the next big thing I could see would be uh, video game RPGs. They're getting bigger and bigger with more and more NPCs. And nowadays you can't live without voice acting. Like, I, I mean, I haven't played a recent game like The Witcher or Oblivion, but I, I'm pretty certain like at least 90% of that is all like voice yeah. acting. Even like the last NPC in the last corner of the map will have voice acting. <laughs> and this could, I could see... Uh, Sorry, voice actors, you're going out of business. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, on on one side, voice actors. Uh, I mean, you can probably still use actual voice actors for the meat of everything. Like, I wouldn't replace the like the the so like the number one companion of the protagonist for like a, a robotic voice actor. But just <laughs> random town, you could have like a hundred town people, and everyone can sound completely different and still be like completely variable in what they are saying you just have to like change the text and people won't have to re-record everything just because one of the writers changed a little text in like a random npc they could uh they could respond to you with your name that's a big thing like every rpg where you can choose your name you can tell like they never say your name final fantasy 10 they never say titus or titus i no one knows what it's called um <laughs> But then you could have that. To do, like, I'm going to say. If, if this, uh, like, if the software is, is good enough that um, you could, like, replace a single word in a sentence, like, hey, this is very great, Titus, what you just did. <laughs> like, if you could make that sound natural for, like, the main cast of the voice actors, that that could already be great. Like, I want to have my name. Yeah, let people name there. their own characters yeah. and still get voice acting for yeah. it. That's great. I think that would be the be the best compromise where you still have actual voice actors that won't go out of business, won't lose their jobs, but still have like all the variety you can get from this technology. Yeah. So before we get into our picks of the week, there's this uh, little topic that I've kind of been pushing uh, to the next episode and the next episode for like, I believe three episodes because sometimes we record for long, for a long time and then for an even longer time when I'm uh, doing the show with lines and I have uh, worked on a little side project. So we use uh, we started using this service called Songlink to link to our picks of the week on the show. And so Songlink basically does uh, it just offers you like links to the typical services like Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play Music, YouTube, and Deezer. So if you want to share a song with someone, you don't know what service they prefer to use. You can just send them a Songlink link, and uh, then they can choose the service that they like and i thought hey yeah, great. that's that's pretty neat i'm gonna use that now to like um yeah link to my music i usually link to bandcamp i i i kind of felt like i don't want to solely link to bandcamp because some people are just not into using bandcamp they they just they they don't know what it is so they don't want to use it and i kind of understand that like giving money to unknown services on the internet is always like ah will i do it but they know iTunes, they know Spotify. And so I felt like this could be of great use. The only problem is is that I, for example, my EP Shot at the Sky, I've uploaded that to YouTube as a single video. Like the whole EP is one video. And Songlink can't link into a video with a timestamp. Like they can't uh... detect that, which isn't, it's not trivial. It's also not that hard if you 
expect a certain format like in the video description of how the track list is numbered and then the uh at least the time do you think you'll just upload individual tracks then probably not i kind of like having it organized like that a and b um that's a whole different discussion but like the way the youtube algorithm <laughs> works with view time it's actually kind of good to have a long video that people watch all the way through instead of single videos sometimes um yeah so i i also like i kind of like the whole package i also feel like psychologically if people like like to listen to this ep on youtube and they go back all the time to just one song and it's only that one video they're probably just going to listen to that song but if it's in the video maybe they're more likely to at least at one day say hey let me listen to the whole album again that's what it mm -hmm. feels like to me on spotify sometimes i go for a single track i open the album and i'm like ah, oh, you know what let's listen to the whole album that's kind of what i'm hoping yeah. for And so I messaged the guy who develops this on, on Twitter and asked like, hey, could this be possible? I know like parsing stuff on the internet is really problematic because people don't adhere to formats. But I mean, it's possible. And he said, yeah, it's possible. I might look into it. I don't know. And the same evening I whipped like my web, my laptop out and said, hey, you know what? That It's not that hard. Like, especially if I just want to do this for my own songs. And so I built my own version of this. Um, I'm current, currently hosting this on Bitbucket. I, I link to it from my, uh, my, my ecologs.com domain, but it's actually just a, uh, it's like GitHub pages from Bit, uh, by Bitbucket. And I, it, it's very bare bones. Like I didn't do a lot on design, like just, uh, um, just have the buttons there. Like, Hey, this is the song you came for. Like somebody linked you to this song. This is where you can stream it. This is where you can download it. This is where you can buy it. There you go. Click on any link. And, so I got on my hard drive just a little like text file database of all the songs and the links and um, kind of the same way our Sunrise Robot website works. It's uh, it just passes that into HTML files and that's that gets published. Uh, that's get that gets pushed to the repository and I'm done. Like there's no dynamic Django Flask uh, Java Play app or anything. It's just <laughs> really classic um, HTML files and so. Uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, you just send me a big problem that I haven't <laughs> noticed before, <laughs> which shouldn't have happened. I just, <laughs> I just dragged my Chrome window window super skinny, and then I sent you the picture and said, <laughs> "Looks great uh, for the listener." <laughs> so uh, to the listener, don't do that. <laughs> no, I'm pretty don't sure I browse I, like a crazy person. <laughs> I was pretty sure I at least used like some uh, what is it called again, like flexible like thing a, where it. Me responsive yeah responsive design but apparently i didn't so don't do that let, let me see what it looks like on my right i mean this was actually really just like a two or three hour project that i haven't touched since other than adding a new song or two um i just so and yeah the other thing that i can do now is uh, i hooked google analytics into that and so i can at least partially tell what people click on so what for me was important like Now that they have the option, where do they click on? Like, do they still go to Bandcamp? Do they go to iTunes, to Spotify? So I got this little problem, and it's it's a typical problem, apparently, which is tracking outbound links on... We're getting into <laughs> flipping tables territory again, but <laughs> tracking outbound links from a website is kind of hard sometimes because you like have to send a JavaScript, uh, like a request to the analytics server before you leave the page, and it's like, it won't catch all of them and i haven't sat down to fix that yet 
but at least I got some data now. I know where people, I know where you all come from. Um, <laughs> I know like they still hit up Bandcamp quite a lot. So I'm just looking at the data from the last 28 days. Um, let me open my dashboard here. Bandcamp 18, Spotify 5, YouTube 3, Amazon 1, Google Play Music 1, iTunes 1. So that's just the clicks on the last 28 days, which might not be the real number, as I just described. Uh, it's it's probably more, since there are way more visits. So it probably didn't track all the links. But yeah, now I can really dive into analytics and feel like, hey, everybody can now... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and the, the sole reason why I did this was like linking into a timestamped YouTube video. That obviously isn't there. So if you click on YouTube, it will send you to the video to the right side uh, timestamp. <laughs> just on a whim, I uh, started editing the directory and just tried, tried slash track and slash album, and I was really happy that it worked. <laughs> yes, that's gonna... that's the kind of things I want I want to offer. <laughs> <laughs> just like yes, <laughs> yeah. Another thing that uh, I kind of needed was the main driver for my music is uh, Lars's videos, obviously. And so since his videos are typically 10 minutes long, it happens quite frequently that we use two of my songs in a single video, which I have to link to. And so what I can do is like have combo pages where you get two songs all at once. And uh, let me, maybe I can find a, an example. Maybe I can do the... Uh, yeah, put the show notes link to to one of those pages. We have like two of those in a like side to side, and then people maybe just came for one of the songs, but they won't be disappointed because hey, this is where you can choose anything you want. That was very important mm -hmm. to me. Pick of the week. Pick of the week. Uh, I'm back on the show. I'll go first. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Uh, my pick of the week this week is a sub pop band that's only been around a couple years, and they they had a new album this year. Uh, and they're called Level Up, spelled L-V-L Up. And uh, the song I chose from them is called Spirit Was. And this uh, song is very 90s indie rock to my ears. There's there's a slight bit of Weezer in them, but there's also kind of really a stew of everything that was happening in the 90s with kind of grungy, poppy indie rock stuff. And uh, this was right up my alley. I grew up with brothers that listened to countless bands like this. And it was my oldest brother, Matt, that turned me on to this album saying, hey, it's like that stuff we listen to. <laughs> and so uh, I, I, there's uh, several good songs on this album, but uh, this was one of the standout ones. So let's hear a little clip of Spirit Was. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I, I also shout out my brother had a band in high school called Juniper Drive, and this was like very pinpoint the genre they were playing <laughs> in. And uh, I think uh, I'll have to track it down. I think Justin has some of that music on his band camp, so I'll throw a link in the show notes. Uh, what did you make of this song? Uh, this is definitely let's take a road trip to the end of the world music. Um, <laughs> what I really enjoyed about this, other than just the general atmosphere and like the, the timbre of the recording 
is uh, there is at least in Versa, there's like this high, maybe piano, like this high note that's happening on every quarter note. And it kind of like, this is, I, I like that kind of stuff. Um, even if there's not an electronic song, I like, for some reason, singular notes happening on the offbeat or on the onbeat, uh, on the beat itself uh, happening. And kind of like this, it's a simple thing. It's not hard to do, but man, thank yeah. you for doing that. It's, it's <laughs> it, it hooked me. And um, also, like, the, the vocals that are happening on top of each other, that's something I really enjoy. That's something I, for example, really enjoy in Animal Collective. They do that a lot. And here it's also happening. And you can tell, like, where does that one line end and the other one start? And, uh, like, it's interweaving so much. And also, there's it's just the, the guitar tones are very, like, grungy and crunchy. And then, like, during the end of this clip, like, they get a little harder. It's just... The tone of the soul yeah. song is just very round. Even if it's, again, we've had those songs before where it's really like grungy and sometimes overdriven, but still it sounds so kind of like soft in a way to like, it, yeah. it's mellow, it's it's warm. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's it's just very warm. And I think a lot of this kind of music was reacting to like the hair metal of the 80s, which was just like unleashed on every <laughs> metric. The vocals were in five different octaves and the just everything was kind of over the top. And like the 90s was like, everyone just chill out for a second. <laughs> and even our rock music is going to kind of chill out for a bit. <laughs> I mean, obviously there was hard rock in the 90s, but um, it's just uh, this was kind of the genre that in my adolescence, I kind of slotted into of like this is the mood i'm into for music and you know, a lot of that was following my brothers but even my peers in my class were kind of we kind of hooked onto this train so i love it i, I love sort of the yeah i mean it's not that level up is like totally derivative like I, I genuinely just enjoy their album for what it is um but i'm also just kind of like hey this genre that's kind of ducked down for a long time is kind of peeking back <laughs> out and so I'm, I'm celebrating that a little bit what was your pick of the week my pick of the week is a very stripped down song for a change, at least when it comes to my picks, which are usually very convoluted, complicated things. Um, this is a song by Gameface called The Problem With Me, and I found it on the Xbox game Amped, which was a snowboard game. <laughs> and they had this crazy huge soundtrack uh, with like over 200 artists, I believe. Um, they were all indie. Like, I haven't heard of any of them before that. Some of them gotten big, like Yellow Card was like, they had five tracks on there and all of a sudden, like, everyone's talking about Yellow Card there. Um, I also quite enjoyed some of their songs and they categorized them in, like, genres or, like, playlists. So you couldn't, um, like, enable or disable singular songs, but you could say, don't play pop. But all of the other stuff, like, it was very, like, it wasn't really fine-grained. So, um... Funny enough, the the two playlists I usually had on was emo and rock, and I didn't really feel like the emo was we what we nowadays call emo. It was just not the rocky rock stuff. It was like the song we just heard by Level Up that would have been in that emo list. So I kind of had like a different yeah. understanding of what emo was when suddenly the emo scene exploded on the internet and i feel like that that's that's emo and screamo yeah, and it was all really the other weird um <laughs> and so uh yeah it had just a great soundtrack that was one of the songs that kept with me after playing the song i mean the, the game that game is probably like 10 years old at least um so here's a, just a little snippet of game face the problem with me 
Yeah, again, also very lovely sound. And I, I kind of felt like it fit to your pick of the week. Uh, what I just <laughs> noticed while I was listening to it again, which so so the lyrics there, which are like kind of a little self-deprecating, like, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm faulty. I'm, I'm a guy with mistakes. It, it doesn't uh, makes mistakes and stuff. Um, so I, I'm going to link this in the show notes. Um, I'm, I'm just looking for it here which is a video from like a radio talk show where um, this guy talks about um, why white people like the song Creep by Radiohead. Like white people enjoy <laughs> feeling this like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a problem. I'm a mistake. Like I'm a, I'm a creep. Like why this song would be uh, like for white people. And I kind <laughs> of felt like, Hey, this song would also be a good one that fit this explanation. So I'm going to find this one and put it in the show. notes. So what did you think of the song? I enjoyed this song. I, I was laughing like, hey, you picked a like guitar ballad. <laughs> this is feels like something new for your picks of the week. Um, and true to form, it comes from a video game soundtrack <laughs> that you experienced. Um, this song sounds like almost straight up alternative pop to me. Like almost like, and I don't mean this as dismissive or insulting in any way, but like a Sheryl Crow or even like an Alanis Morissette song, but sung by a male. Um, probably just because the, the lyrics sound really confessional the way uh, some of that that kind of like, rock pop type stuff sounds um i really like it's the the guitar tone was very 90s to me and i it's again like my song it was just like oh yeah i remember when a lot of songs that sounded like this would come out and even though the song came out in 2000 i mean 2000 isn't really even barely into the aughts yet and it's still operating <laughs> under the paradigms of the 90s <laughs> but just the it's like got that kind of blues driver some gain on it but it's not like full-on distortion or anything um and just uh the stripped downness of it just leaves it there naked even though it's like hey i'm a confident guitar that has some edge <laughs> to it but here's a nice heartfelt self-deprecating male singer to go with it um yeah it was good well, that's it for episode 68 of Bits and Pieces. Thank you so much for listening. As always, find links to these songs and these articles we talked about in our show notes at sunriserobot.net slash bitsandpieces slash 68. Uh, you can also subscribe to our show while you're, while you're there. There's links to the RSS and iTunes uh, areas there. Or if you have a podcast app you use, you can just... Uh, you know, search for bits and pieces or search for Sunrise Robot and you should be able to find us straight from within your app. And that'll make it easy. Uh, me and Matt love feedback. So if you're on Twitter, you could go uh, talk to us there. I'm at pseudo Michael. And Matt, what's your Twitter name? At Ecolox, E-C-H-O-L-O-X. If you'd like to support the show directly, you can head to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And we have several shows, some tech shows, but we also have some shows on, on culture and, uh, you know, uh, there, there's lots of good stuff going on. So uh, if you're interested in more than just music, there's some other good things to check out. Uh, some special thanks to our top Patreon sponsors, Benji Robinson, Carolyn Kraut, and Joan Edwards. We'll see you next episode. Mm -hmm.